we can agree that contributing to open source projects is unnecessarily difficult. And I'm talking beyond the challenges of just finding a project that speaks to you or finding a project that you feel you have a skill set to like meaningfully contribute to. Even after finding an open source project that checks those boxes, you need to be able to dive into this unfamiliar code base and understand enough to contribute. And from an open source maintainer standpoint, being able to onboard and guide contributors takes a lot of time. Hey, this is Brian, and you're listening to Jamstack Radio, a bi-weekly series where we discuss the Jamstack, a new way of building websites and apps that are fast, secure, and simple to work with. Jamstack Radio is brought to you by Heavybit, a program dedicated to helping startups take their developer products to market. For more information, visit heavybit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. Welcome to another installment of Jamstack Radio. On the line, we've got Nareen Jalal. Hey, Brian. Happy to be here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And uh, yeah, I guess we get to start off. Um, who are you and uh, why are you here? Absolutely. I mean, I'm a software developer, educator, and community builder based out of Canada. I've taken like this non-traditional route to software engineering, um, so ensuring technical education is accessible um, to all is especially important to me. So I do a lot of teaching on the side outside of developer relations. Um I teach students over at U for Change and Canada Learning Code, um, built a STEM learning management system, uh, do a lot of organizing of hackathons and coordinating workshops with women who code. And um, I mean, by day, I work at Codesy as the head of developer relations there. And yeah, in terms of why I'm here, I mean, I was excited to receive an invite to chat about uh, Codesy and what we're doing with the open source community. Yeah, yeah. It, open source is uh, near and dear to my heart, as, as listeners are already aware of. And uh, I've got an open source project on the side. And uh, I, I want to know, what is Codesy for the listeners who maybe not have not heard of it? Absolutely. So at a high level, uh, Codesy helps you visualize code bases. So our tool maps, um, they're interactive software architecture diagrams designed to make cross-code base understanding a reality. So once you connect Codesy to a repository, um, a map auto-generates in minutes, syncs to your code base as you work, and displays dependencies and other insights that teams have found really helpful for code review, onboarding, planning, documentation, and more. And in terms of the problem Codesy is trying to solve, we're on this mission to help developers improve how they navigate and understand today's increasingly complex code bases. Um, and I want to pause there for a minute because code bases truly have grown dramatically more complex over the years, and documentation is often lacking or behind. There's a lot of potentially confusing interdependencies, and, and the people who wrote the code may no longer work there. That's often the case in tech. So trying to grasp the big picture is incredibly difficult. And at Codesy, we're just trying to make the developer experience better by visualizing code bases and presenting key information uh, a developer needs to know to confidently make those changes and get work done in a way that's scalable and doesn't actually rely on having to build mental models. Cool. Yeah. And I, a contributor mentioned Code C while I was live streaming as an alternative to like what we were doing. So like I did a whole stream where I explained my code base to everybody who was watching because I would get a lot of questions of like, hey, what's this? Why is this here? <laughs> How do I connect this to that? Or do we have something that answers this question? So I just basically just went through the entire code base folder to folder and it was just like, hey, this is here. This is why this is here. Uh, the project's been it's built since 2017, so like there's some older code that maybe people aren't familiar with. Uh, so I just walked through it like verbally and then edited down through up on YouTube. So that if anybody has questions like, "Hey, what is open source? Like, how does this work?" I just walked through the entire thing. But in my mind, I probably could have used Code C for that, right? 
I think so. That would have been an excellent use case for sure. <laughs> yeah, and, and I've, I've done that too. I, I played around with Code C, and like I was able to like just like tinker with it. I haven't actually mm-hmm. installed it in the in the project like permanently or anything like that. Uh, I probably should. Like, there's nothing really holding me back. Which I guess is the the next question is like, how do you add Code C to your project? Yeah, so you just sync it up to your your GitHub uh, repository. Um, you know, map is generated automatically in minutes, and so that will show you all of the dependencies. Um, it'll automatically present you with different insights. We also have this awesome feature called review maps, which allows you to, so every time you push changes to a code base, it'll actually show you a visualization of what is changing. So files that have been removed or added or any dependencies that are linked to anything that you've touched, um, it's all displayed there. So you can just be really confident in the changes that you're pushing, making sure that you're not kind of breaking things down the line or introducing new bugs into your code base. And it also just presents a new way of doing code reviews. You know, historically, it's always been very like it's just done alphabetically, like in GitHub, that's just how it's done, right? You'll review code alphabetically and yeah. you can't really review code in a way that makes sense to you. So maybe, you know, just seeing all the files that have actually been touched and then being able to decide through like a review map tour um, where the author of the PR will actually share, you know, this is where you should get started. This is what I'm changing here. This is why I've done it this way. Like being able to kind of receive that context as you do review is super helpful, we found, to just both the authors and the reviewers. So, Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's interesting too as well. And like, you bring up an interesting point around code review where it is alphabetical and there's not a lot of like rhyme or reason on why things are showing up to like in specific use cases, but I usually what happens when you you walk into like a new code base as a new engineer uh, on a team, it's either like you just get thrown into the mix, or maybe you do get some sort of onboarding. Mm-hmm. But I've never been onboarded to a team or a company where someone actually gave me all the secret sauce right there when I started. Yeah, it's more of like. Last person in is the one who improves the documentation. Is it's like the rule of thumb, mm-hmm. which could be a really poor way of, of doing onboarding for the next person. Because like, imagine if this person maybe they they came in experience, they had no questions, no changes, or maybe they just felt imposter syndrome to basically just prevent themselves from asking the right questions or any questions for the matter. Absolutely. So with Codesy, it sounds like I can look at. What's happening? You can look at where the dependencies are as well. So, like, if there's something, uh, I'm curious. It's a catch dependencies that are like no longer being leveraged, or things that get derelict in the project. Like, I guess what, what's the secret sauce for for Code C? Like, if I install on the project, what are the things I would end up looking at first? Well, it really depends on how you like to approach a code base. Um, typically, what I do is I'll get a very general overview of what's happening. And I'll maybe like build up this explore and learn map for myself where I'm exploring different parts of the code base, uh, making notes for myself on, you know, any questions that I have or, you know, just making notes on how things work. Like that makes sense to me, like how I think things are working in that moment. Um, you know, get confirmation of, you know, whether or not that's actually the case. And then I'll actually go ahead and start contributing or making changes. I'll, I'll use review maps to make sure the changes I'm making aren't actually breaking things or all the dependencies that are being touched are, are intentional, you know, cause oftentimes like you'll make changes and you actually don't have the entire view of what impact that's having in the code base. And so just having that visibility every step of the way with code C maps or review maps just brings you a lot of confidence in what you're doing. At least that's what I found. Yeah. And there's a term that uh, I, I, 
got from the, the landing page, which is a continuous code understanding. Mm-hmm. Can you explain what that means? Yeah, it's all about constant shared awareness and having a single source of truth for your entire development team. That's what it boils down to. So to compensate for its absence, to compensate for the absence of you know just having that code understanding with you, developers have resorted to this just-in-time cognizance where combing through code bases manually, generally line by line, um, to learn the minimum required to go forward is what they do with their fingers crossed that nothing then breaks. So with a continuous way of understanding code, regardless of whether you're onboarding to a new code base or it's just been a while since you've worked on a specific area of the code base, um, you have this single source of truth that can be brought up to speed. Like You can be brought up to speed immediately, be confident in knowing that you aren't missing any important context. And that's really valuable. And, and that's what we're really trying to show um, can be a big improvement to the the whole developer experience. Um, so we at Codesy believe like the eight phases of DevOps, you know, plan, code, build, test, release, deploy, like all of them, like they need an addition and that's code base understanding. So that's that's the concept and and that's why we think it's important. Nice, nice. And then so if you're using Code C, can you leverage Code C as a I guess a third party user? So when I think of open source, like if I find a project in open source I want some understanding on what's happening in there. Can I add code C to a project that I, I'm not a maintainer of? Um, you can add it to like the main branch. You could like fork it and like make it on a add code C on a personal branch um, at the moment. Um, yeah. But you can also like share code C with the maintainer or the person who owns a project. And um, we try and make the process pretty seamless for folks to get started. But yeah, that's how it'd work right now. But we also do have OSS port, which is this, and I mean, we'll probably chat about it later on too, which is this open source platform that we've built that has code C at its core, code C maps at its core. So all the projects that are there available um, already have code C maps integrated into it. So if there's any projects on there that you want to contribute to, they have it ready to go, and, and you can kind of get that understanding of the code base immediately. Yeah, that's awesome. What's, I mean, let's talk about OSS port, because I did discover this too as well from doing some research, and I think it's a great idea. Uh, I think it would be very helpful like during Hacktoberfest, but can you explain what OSS port is? Yeah, um, it's essentially a platform connecting over 100,000 contributors with open source projects across the globe. And I love that you mentioned Hacktoberfest because that's how it came to be. Uh, 2021 Hacktoberfest is when we first came up with and launched OSS port. Just prior to that, a couple months prior to that, we released Codesy Maps to the world. And um, because we really value the open source community and really want to make tools that serve the open source community as well as just, you know, private teams, um, we wanted to come up with a way that we'd be able to do that in time for Hacktoberfest. So... OSS port is this platform where maintainers and contributors can find each other with the idea that the open source onboarding aspect of things is vastly improved. Because let's, you know, we can agree that contributing to open source projects is unnecessarily difficult. Um, And I'm talking beyond the challenges of just finding a project that speaks to you or finding a project that you feel you have a skill set to like meaningfully contribute to. Even after finding an open source project that checks those boxes, you need to be able to dive into this unfamiliar code base and understand enough to contribute. And from an open source maintainer standpoint, being able to onboard and guide contributors takes a lot of time. And I mean, you mentioned having recorded a video to help contributors contribute to OpenSauce. Not everyone can do that. And I mean, not everyone can find that. And it, it, there's just so many challenges there, right? Like there's yeah. just a lot of things that could like not be optimal and could discourage contributors from actually being able to contribute to that project. So with OSS port, we've built in our core product, Code Z Maps, um, to target that, to really 
hone into that issue of open source onboarding and being able to offer maps as a free tool to use for any of the projects there. You get in, you visualize your entire code base, you can see, you can get that context immediately. And then, you know, we do want to encourage, you know, contributors and maintainers chat to each other, uh, like mentor each other, guide them through contributions. But we just want to make sure that we can support them as much as we can with the tools that we provide. So the code base maps and then review map tours as well to kind of guide folks through the review process, which can be another challenge in open source um, contributions. Yeah. And I like that. The the one thing you had mentioned that it's um, OSS port is not, it's leveraging folks who are using code C because like there's now a, like a base understanding. So like, if you know how to use code C and you know, these projects are using code C, you know, you actually have a a step Mm -hmm. or at least a platform to stand on if you're going to be onboarding into a project. And I think that's one thing that's missing in open source, especially in onboarding is every project's different. So like if you have a Java project or a JavaScript project or a Ruby project or a Python, they're all approaching onboarding and and structure and testing Mm -hmm. slightly different uh, when you you go to contribute. And the same thing from company to company. But if you have that consistent layer of Codesy, which uh, I I don't have to preach to you, you're you're preaching to us about Codesy, but uh, I I love the idea of folks starting Hacktoberfest and seeing a list of projects that they can get understanding on. Because I think the, the miss is yeah, she can contribute to open source for good first issues, but like, how do you know how to solve those issues? How do you know where where in the code base to actually make these changes? Mm-hmm. It sounds like we can uh, we have this sort of continuous code understanding together. Absolutely, absolutely. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I wanted to know uh, who is using Code C. So, like, um, we talked about the continuous code understanding. We talked about onboarding for open source. But yeah, curious of like what sort of companies, projects, uh, individuals are using Code C today. Yeah, so outside of open source projects, um, we're happy to report that Codesy maps are actually used by thousands of developers across the globe, uh, which is super exciting for the team. Um, Developers from companies like Sneak, Salesforce, Telnix, Discovery, um, they all use them to create that single source of truth for code base architecture and dependencies, you know, capture key code change artifacts and and gain that critical insight prior prior to launch. So that's been really exciting for the team to see that growth. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I mean, I, I'm rooting for y- y'all um, and at Code C and continuing to uh, make that expansion into open source because uh, I, I think honestly it it's needed in the open source side for sure. And I think even for uh, I imagine private repos companies that are also get a lot of value at this because if you if I'm not on board as an engineer to your company, I would love some onboarding guides and. And, and context. So, like, if it sounds like if you don't have that today in your company, you could have it tomorrow, like right after you, or right now while you're listening. It seems like the onboarding is pretty straightforward. Absolutely. I mean, I love that as a sales pitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, always be closing. <laughs> Thanks so much for chatting about Code C. I, I look forward to actually adding it to one project right now as we are talking. So, uh, good job with the onboarding because I could do that while talking to you. Uh, but I'll transition us to picks. Uh, these are things that we're jamming on. Uh, it could be music, food, game, entertainment, code related, and all everything's on the table for this. So uh, if you don't mind, I'll go first, and uh, I want to talk about two things. So first is, do you, do you have an Apple TV subscription? I do not. Did not okay. Well, you're you're one of the few. Like so, Apple was like when you when you buy a new phone or if you get like an iPad or a watch or something, they'll give you like a free Apple TV for like six months or something like that. So I got hooked. I watched like the whatever that morning show show. Okay. Is well, it's called the morning show, and that's on Apple TV. It's like basically it's a it's a streaming service. So if you think of Hulu or Netflix, 
And uh, so I watched that. Uh, that was that was good. Uh, but I just started watching the show called Severance. So I think it's only been out for like at the time of this recording about a month. Uh, so by the time this recording's done, everybody will probably have seen it this at this point. But I don't know how to explain it. But it's it's basically if The Office and Lost. Like if that they made a show together, like the creators of both shows, mm-hmm. uh, that's basically what this is. And I did not get the first episode. I, honestly, I, I watched the first episode for like maybe twenty minutes, and then I had to go put the kids to bed. So like I never got back into it. And then like weeks later, I see people tweeting about it, and I'm like, oh, let me watch it. So like the entire show had had been basically published because they do like weekly, yeah, weekly upload. It's literally an upload, but they basically release a show every week. So by then, the entire show was like live, and so I was like, oh, let me just binge this. So during spring <laughs> break, like for my kids, uh, I ended up like taking a week off and I watched the entire like ten episode series. Absolutely amazing. Uh, I can't really, it's like one of the shows I can't explain it to you because you just got to watch it. And I do recommend like try to get to the first episode. It's not bad. It's just like you don't know what's going on. Right. And then by the time you get to the second episode, you're like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm hooked. Okay. So it's very, very interesting. I mean, that's pretty high praise, right? Yeah. You said The Office meets Lost. Yes. Those are, those are both stellar shows. So I'm definitely going to have to check it out. It's kind of like, um, Game of Thrones then, because for the first episode there, like I was, I was not getting into it. Yeah. I think the first like five minutes, it's just footage of like barren wastelands or something. So yeah. I'll definitely stick it through. Uh, unlike what I did with Game of Thrones and, and give it a try. Yeah. <laughs> Game of Thrones is an interesting one where I, I definitely caught that like after the fact I got there, it was like the last couple seasons. It was like the two half seasons or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's when I started watching it and I did binge it, but I like, I did watch it while also doing other things, like right. writing code or stuff like that. So I thought it was a great show, but this one you can't. I definitely cannot write code while watching Severance for sure. I've got to like amazing pick up all the pieces. Yeah, but highly recommend it. I did have another pick, which it's where I'm adding Code C to. So if anybody wants to get to this open source repo, Code C will be there eventually. But um, it's called Social Carding. Uh, Socialcarding.com is the URL. And it is a site. So I've spent a lot of time working on a, a similar project. Actually, how we got connected is because I was working on hot open pizza, which on the surface looks like OSS port, but it's a little different, uh, which we don't have to go into details because everybody else who listened to the show, they've already know the details. So, but hot open pizza, we were using social cards from GitHub to be able to like display different GitHub repos. So rather than just like logos, we're just using the built in social cards that they, Provided the open graph, and I wanted to like a way to test these social cards to see like what would show up because like I worked I, d- I didn't work on this problem at GitHub, but I worked with the team that worked on this problem and uh, was able to test it for them as well. So like I know how they work; they generate stars and issues like on demand every time you refresh the page. And uh, I just wanted to like see what it would look like. So I created this site called socialcarding.com, and uh, that's the URL. It's socialcarding is the the repo under my Bducky domain, and. It's literally that's what it is. I, I would always go to like Twitter card preview or drop a link into Slack and like a, a DM to myself in Slack to see what the social card is. Mm-hmm. And I got really tired of like trying to figure out how to see my social cards and see if they're broken. So I just built a site <laughs> that literally just dropped the URL and it gives you the social card preview. And uh, I would love to clean this up and like polish it and like start write a blog post on how I built it. But until then, enjoy the repo, enjoy the the URL. Uh, if it's useful, open up an issue or contribute a PR. That'd, that'd be super helpful. That's awesome. I can definitely think of 
like multiple times where I would have wanted to use that. So I'll definitely check it out. I spent years not really adding social cards to my sites because it was like a thing that happened like four years ago. It became very easy to add a social card. Mm-hmm. And I just wasn't writing code as asked, like, wasn't doing web code very often in the last four years. So I finally went through all my sites, added social cards. And now I'm like on, I'm on the kick. Like every site has to have a social card, which ironically, I think this site doesn't have one, <laughs> which is the, <laughs> the irony. Uh, I should definitely add one to it. But yeah, so now I'm like, always adding them to to sites and now I have a place where I can just test it out but it's uh yeah just sitting there waiting for me to talk about it so congratulations I talked about it <laughs> that's awesome I'm kind of jealous that you actually did something with like the domain that you purchased because I mean uh, so many folks in tech right we just collect them <laughs> and you actually made it happen and you know soon there's gonna be a blog post hopefully on on how you built it so <laughs> hopefully I don't I'm not committing to anything right now <laughs> The irony is that I just uh, I just paid for the renewal, so I bought this domain a year ago, mm-hmm. <laughs> a year ago last week. But the site only went up two months ago, so gotcha. Uh, I, I'm I won't pat on my back uh, too hard right now. <laughs> okay, so I guess it's my turn then. Yes. All right. Um, so my first pick will be more of a, a topic, I guess, and it's a discussion we were having uh, right before we started recording on folks in tech, like having pretty non-technical interests, and it's almost funny, like how non-technical they can be. Um, so for myself, I recently moved to a new property just on the coast of Nova Scotia. And I made sure that there were a few acres here so I could, you know, really start up that hobby farm I've been dreaming about doing for just years and years and years and start up this animal sanctuary. And um, like once I started telling folks this, uh, I just realized how many other folks in tech also seem to have these similar goals or the similar lifestyle they want to lead. I mean, like someone else at GitHub, like Martin, Martin Woodward, you know, he kind of has that same thing going for him in Ireland. And it was just funny to me how I was just starting to meet like all these folks that also wanted to lead like this life that was so far away from everything else and just very sustainable and and very rooted in like nature and and whatnot. Yeah. So it's, it's been interesting um, learning a lot about like soil acidity and, and plants and, you know, the various predators and the diseases that can afflict them and just all, all these things. And it's been really nice. It's been a really refreshing change to actually have something not rooted in work to focus on. Yeah. I'm excited for your adventure too, as well. Cause you'd mentioned in passing and uh, I didn't hear the details of uh, the, the property you have. And so like, do you have like a goal for like types of animals you want to care for and like what gardening you're looking to do? Are you still in the beginning phases? <laughs> oh gosh, I've been working on my Pinterest board for like a decade now. So it's really just coming together now. Um, been meeting with like different landscapers and, and different companies that can come in and like kind of help you best position areas of the land for like different animals or different plants. So I'm open to all. I already have like a flock of chickens and I know a lot of folks have chickens, but I'm, I really love mine and I really want to add to that and, you know, bring in like alpacas and, and, and various other animals. And, and I really want it to be like an animal sanctuary. So just open to everything. And I mean, in terms of like the farming aspect, just want to like grow enough food to like feed the family and, and feed the community, hopefully, because there's a lot of just amazing programs in the area that actually accept, you know, food donations and things like that. And I mean, in the city where I live, like in Toronto, they didn't really do that. It was more, they had to 
know exactly where the food is coming from here. You can kind of grow something and give it to folks and they'll actually share it with the community, which is really awesome. And I mean, it kind of combines, you know, my passion for actually being able to grow things and, and, and live that sustainable life and also give back. So I'm really excited to do that. Yeah. And it's, what's the, the size of Nova Scotia uh, population? <laughs> You're going to laugh. I think they just hit like the 1 million milestone last year. So okay. it wow. is minuscule in comparison to Toronto. Yeah. it's a, So you mentioned around like the community gardening and stuff like that. Like, I think there's like, there, I'm curious to pick your brain. I know we're at the end of the the episode, but when it comes to like even DevRel and community, DevRel communities, like just developer communities rather, like there has been a shift to like folks looking for that, mm-hmm. uh, especially as we move to online. And I think as folks have shifted away from the, the bigger cities to get property or buy their first home and stuff like that, like there is that sort of need to have that co-location of folks. So I was just curious if, you, if you've seen the trend, because especially where what you said as far as Code C goes, like you get to look at a bunch of communities and a bunch of projects. So mm-hmm. one thing that I, I did in 2020 is I started streaming. Uh, I started streaming open source. And the reason for that is because I wanted just to work on this one project and not do my day job, mm-hmm. which sounds real weird. But like basically have time away from the day job to work on something that was like mine, my thing. Mm-hmm. And while I did that, I noticed more and more people started joining me in that effort. And not only the streaming, but just joining my streams and joining my community, where it became super valuable to me during 2020 to have a small cohort of community. So like we had like 10 people who would show up to my streams and show up on my Discord. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed that way better than when I walked into like the React Discord. Because the reactor store is like a, it's a busy place. There's always conversation. Sometimes people hear you. Some people sometimes people don't don't hear you. But when I went to my own community, I always had people who were like, "Hey, yeah, cool idea," and I get get feedback on things. And I think that sometimes it could, especially during the pandemic, could be like lonely uh, and sort of missing that that sort of connection. Yeah, I mean, even with women who code, like having a shift to like just fully digital events and workshops and everything, we've really expanded the type of events and workshops and and just meetups we were having to move beyond just technical things. And I think it's because even when you attend a meetup, right, you don't really think about it, but there's like an hour prior or like, you know, half an hour afterwards where you're just like chatting with folks and just having conversations about real world things that aren't just work related. And so kind of fill that gap. uh, We just started having these like coffee hangouts or, you know, just these these lunch meetups and whatnot where folks are just getting together and chatting about these other passions or, you know, just sharing what they've learned that month. And I mean, being able to create those community spaces online has been amazing in that regard and, and being able to share that, especially now that a lot of us have actually just moved to more remote locations, being able to have like those places to go to and, and still find that connection has been awesome. Yeah. And, and I'm with you. Like I really value like those conversations and, and those, you know, types of communities more than just a large event or something that doesn't feel quite as personal or doesn't feel like you're putting in as much as you're kind of getting from it. Yeah. I enjoy this, the future of uh, what tech looks like uh, and sort of connecting to more communities, but also continuing to strengthen like my small community I have right now. So Niren, thank you so much for joining me and chatting about Code C. Thanks for sharing the pics as well. Good luck with the uh, the farm and, and the land up in uh, Nova Scotia. Thanks so much, Brian. And uh, listeners, keep spreading the jam. That's all the time we have for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. 
To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. And while you're there, check out their library. It's packed with amazing talks on sales, marketing, product, and general management from founders of developer tools companies and other industry leaders. 